Kenny Pheasant was 14 when he got his first job. It was at a small grocery store working in the meat department. Back then, meat wasn't packaged uh, the way it is now, you know, sandwich meat and whatnot and chicken and everything like that. So we had to do that for our customers. Kenny was born and raised on Manitoulin Island in the middle of Lake Huron. Tourists would visit during the summer months. They'd stop to pick up food at the market, and Kenny was the one taking orders. The guy says, I want six chicken legs. And I says, okay, and uh, he says, what? I says, well, I just said six chicken legs in my language. Oh, really? And he says, teach me that. I want to be able to say that when I order, come in here. Kenny Pheasant is Anishinaabe and belongs to the Wequemkong First Nation. Soon, his reputation spread. There's this little Indian boy at the, at the meat market that teach you language if you go in there. <clears throat> and I was 14. I did not know that I was going to have a career teaching language. <laughs> uh. Now, Kenny Pheasant is 68, and he's still teaching Anishinaabe Moen, the Great Lakes' original language. He's one of a few who speak it fluently, and despite tough odds, Kenny is determined to pass on his native tongue. This is Points North, a show about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Great Lakes. I'm Dan Wanshura. It's a cold winter morning in Manistee, Michigan. Three adult students sit at a table in the basement of the Little River Band of Ottawa Indians government building. That's when Kenny Pheasant introduces his next game. Now we're about to play this game, uh, concentration, in our language. <clears throat> Rows and columns of homemade cards lay face down on the table, each one with an image depicting a verb or rarely used word. If you've ever played memory, it's like that. The students flip over a card, say the word in Anishinaabemowen, and then try to find its match. Uh-oh, right off the bat. Roger Shalafo is the oldest student here. He's 58. He said that's a firefly and those are braids. If it sounds like the Anishinaabemowen version is longer than the English ones, they are. A single word in English might be represented by several in Anishinaabemowen. It's because the language is verb-based and centers around action. Johnny Sam is Kenny's boss at the Little River Band. He jokes about how complex even simple words are. It's like I told Kenny, can't we just use phone? That's, that means you know being able to speak from one spot to a different one. I could just say phone. <laughs> I mean, why can't we just adopt some of theirs and slide them in there? <laughs> and he just says, because then it wouldn't be our language. Okay. That's Andrew Jurink. He's 34. Leftovers and echo. Andrew has been in Kenny's Anishinaabe Moen class for over seven years. 
But he says just within the last year, the words are coming more easily. So when I'm hearing it, I'm no longer kind of scrolling through in my mind of what that word could be uh, compared to now I'm just able to follow along. Andrew says he was inspired to learn the language himself when he noticed fewer and fewer of his people speaking on a Shnabe Moen. But it takes a lot of patience. I mean, we're just children at this moment when we're, we're, we're learning. So I feel like, you know, it's like how we're learning how to read and talk in kindergarten first grade sometimes. Kenny Pheasant understands that. It's why he models the words for his students, and then they repeat them. Anishinaabe Moen is an oral language. It doesn't have an alphabet. Kenny says some people think you have to know how to read the language before speaking it, but he doesn't buy that. I said, when did you start talking? Maybe two years old? I said, did you learn how to read back then? He said, no. Well, I said, why do you have to learn how to read the language if you can't, you know? Kenny learned to speak Anishinaabe Moen in his home, listening to his parents. But it almost didn't happen. When Kenny's father was a boy, he was put in a Catholic residential school in Ontario. He was there for eight years. The main purpose of these schools was to erase indigenous language and practices and replace them with Euro-American culture. The first day that he was at the residential school, he got hit in the face by a priest because he got caught speaking the language. And uh, he said that it frightened him. You know, a little little eight-year-old boy getting hit in the face by a grown man. You know, that's pretty traumatic. And the boarding schools often succeeded disrupting that cultural handoff from one generation to the next. But Kenny's dad found another way. He secretly spoke Anishinaabe Moen to his friends out of the earshot of his teachers. His dad was the lucky one. Unlike so many who stopped speaking, he was able to hold on to it and pass it on to his son. Because he did, Anishinaabe Moen was Kenny's first and only language growing up. Kenny says it also helped that Manitouland Island was isolated. We never heard English in the home, and we didn't have electricity, so we didn't have a radio or television or anything like that. He says it wasn't until he was a teenager they got electricity. Eventually, his parents told him and his siblings they would have to learn English, and that was upsetting. Why do I have to learn English for? You know, I'm perfectly fine speaking my language. And uh, my parents said that uh, it's English is the dominant language. It's everywhere. It's written everywhere. It's used everywhere. So you're going to have to learn how to use it. And, uh, and then they turned around and said, but we're not going to teach you. <laughs> Manitoulin Island didn't have a high school, so Kenny went to one on Ontario's mainland. That's where he learned to speak English at 16. He jokes he still isn't fluent in it today. Anishinaabe Moen is an endangered language, and it's becoming more so every day. It's a global trend for indigenous languages. According to a 2021 study of the world's 7,000 recognized languages, about half are endangered. The study says by the end of this century, that number could decrease by over 20%. Anybody who's not worried isn't paying attention. Anton Troyer is a professor of Ojibwe at Bemidji State University in Minnesota. Ojibwe are a part of the Anishinaabek. 
He says languages are a part of a greater cultural ecosystem. For example, if a bird goes extinct, yes, the beauty of that bird is lost, but also the balance of the whole ecosystem could be thrown off, like a big game of Jenga. Anton says the same is true with language. And there's a lot at stake. It's not just another pretty bird singing in the forest and wouldn't it be nice to hear all the pretty birds, which is how a lot of people think about things like you know, endangered languages. When a language goes extinct, Anton says you're not just losing that dialect, you're losing that cultural knowledge, too. That's what makes indigenous languages intrinsically valuable. Each language embodies the unique worldview of a people. It's a totally different way of looking at the world. And it's very difficult to get it all in translation. Some of these words that we say actually bring in our spirituality inside the word. Crystal Davis is another one of Kenny's students. And so it actually means something different and on, on a higher level. And so that's why I love being here. It's because it, I want to say it's like going to church <laughs> every time that I come. Crystal says that deeper connection isn't there with English. The language ties in with our spirituality, so it makes me feel that this table isn't just a table, it's actually its own being, even though it's not animate. <laughs> but when we talk in the language, it does have connection with me and my body. I am on the table, or the table's by me, and it's always connecting to what I am as a person. That's something she says you don't get when translating Anishinaabe Moen. In fact, she has an acronym for it. Translates like crap. <laughs> TLC. Crystal says her grandmother spoke Anishinaabe Moen to her as a child. And when she passed away, she was inspired to learn the language herself. My hardest thing would be to find somebody to speak it to and have a conversation with once we leave this classroom. There's nobody other than us. And then we try to use those words at home, and we try and use those words wherever we go. But after that, it kind of just fizzles. Crystal, Weganesh Manda Yawang. Dobwin. No, Dobwin. Dobwin. Bwe. Bwe. Awan. Awan. Before each class begins, Kenny Pheasant puts a candle on the table and lights it. He does it for Terry Tylerba, a student who attended these classes for 20 years. She was my first student out of this program to become fluent in the language. Tylerba passed away a little over a year ago. Her body may be gone, but her spirit is still here in this classroom. Drew, Weganesh Nenda Yawangin. For these students and the other ones that you interact with, what is your ultimate hope that they walk away with? To feel like me. That's what I want. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, for me, I'm complete with my language. I'm whole. I'm a complete person. Mm -hmm.
Today's episode was produced by me, Dan Wanshura. It was edited by Morgan Springer. Additional editing by Sierra Clark and Patrick Shea. Music by Alan Michaelis, Blue Dot Sessions, and Crowander. Kenny Pheasant has created an extensive Anishinaabe Moen website with videos and other tools to learn the language. You can even play a virtual game of concentration. A link is posted at our website, pointsnorthpodcast.org. Subscribe to Points North on your podcast app, and when you do, please consider rating and reviewing the show. That really helps more ears find us. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.